Hello, guys, and welcome to the Invent With Me podcast, where each week we guide aspiring inventors and product creators to turn their innovative ideas into reality. Learn valuable tips, insights, and success stories from a couple guys roughing it in the field of inventing so that you yourself can make your mark on the world. We are your hosts. My name is Grant, inventor of Torque Strap, a revolutionary spring-loaded cargo strap, a strap so easy to use you just pull. And I'm Marcus. I invented quick tie-down anchors. It is a snazzy little anchoring device for docks, decks, and trailers used to secure pretty much anything using the gaps between the boards. That's right. All right, yep. man. Episode three. I'm really excited. What do you say? Do we give them the insider info today? Let's give it all up. All right, man. Let's get into it. Yep. So what do, what do we got today anyway? You know what? We we talked a little bit in one about having an idea. What kind of, what do you do with it? You get it down on paper. We, we went through that. You can listen to that, but let's just say we've got that idea on paper. In two, we switched things up. We kind of went to licensing versus um, whether you sell it yourself. Um, both are good options, but you and I favor selling it yourself. We kind of told you why. Selling the product. Selling yourself, the product yourself and sure. running, running a business that you probably thought you weren't going to run. Sure. But now you really want to. And I think on on three here, I think we should talk about prototyping. Yeah, prototyping. That's a tricky one, yeah. right? Because basically... When you have an idea, you have to convey this to your audience, whoever that might be, uh, whoever you need the backing of, and you have to do it in a way that's tangible. Mm-hmm. So many people want to spit their ideas, but it really just lands on deaf ears, right? You have to create something you can hold in your hand and show to others and say, hey, what do you say? Am I nuts? And sometimes you are. Sometimes <laughs> you are. But you know, the, the the thing with that is I think everybody's much more visual these days. Um, maybe back in the day you could do better with paper pitches or, or, uh, uh, here's my idea there. It's on paper, but there's so much more to it. Now you want to, you want to actually get that prototype in your hand so you can see whether it's going to work. You know, is it, is it the right size? Is it the right shape? Do people like it? Is it the right color? I mean, there's so many different variations that you can't do until you actually see it in your hand. I never thought about that. Yeah. Like yeah. back in the olden days before TV and even before radio days, everything was, you know, doodles on drawings, you know, doodle drawings and, <laughs> and the written word. It was. And now if you don't have a video of something, it doesn't exist. Right. And I think it's very similar with prototypes. If you don't at least have a 3D CAD drawing by a designer or engineer or whatever, uh, you got diddly. Yeah. So s- somebody has an idea mm-hmm. of, well, maybe we will jump into that the first step just yet but let's talk about some like background around prototyping Mm -hmm. um there's a few different directions you can go with prototyping you can go like the legitimate route where you're going to pay for everything or you can go your own route where you're going to kind of chop shop it up yourself i wouldn't say that not paying for it isn't legitimate you can you can go and spend a ton of money up front and get somebody else to do it but i think as far as legitimate goes it's super legitimate to do it yourself. Well, yeah, you can, you can, okay. So thanks for calling me out back there. <laughs> Talk about that later. I, no. I just, I want people to know that, that them making it themselves is, is, is actually much more so it's the way to go. It's our preferred method. 100%. You and I agree on that. 100%. Yeah, look, you can spend some money and you can, in this world, this universe of inventing, you can spend so much money yep. fast. Yep. And there's a lot of people very well aligned and prepared to take your money with a smile on their face. And they will provide a service, but what they will never provide is a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Whether it's marketing, they can't guarantee you sales. Whether it's uh, 
people, this prototype is going to be manufacturable. That's not their job. Right. They provide a prototype. So it's your job as a young inventor like we were to be very savvy with every penny you have. How it, did you go about that? You know, that's it, it's it's a good point. And, and we like old inventors, too. <laughs> I mean, it's your first invention. Oh, man. <laughs> we're off to a good start. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're hey, we're, we're it's okay that you hate old people. Yeah. I mean, that's my personal. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, ab- absolutely. No. no. A young inventor, meaning it's your first idea. Yeah. Because yeah. if it's, this is your fifth a novice idea, inventor. Yeah. You're probably watching a different podcast. This yeah. is for the people really getting into it. Yeah. So, what what route did you go to save cash? Yeah, so I, I I was a big fan of doing with what I had like in my garage, starting out with super cheap. I think I mentioned this on one of the uh, our other shows. Um, I actually have it for our listeners. I'm holding up my first prototype, and for my view, our viewers, if you look right there, it is a washer and a little piece of string going between it. Yeah, so you it, got a piece of paracord yeah. woven through a. A fender washer with yep. a, about a three-eighths hole and a nice knot so it has a good stopper on it. And That's again, it. this is for the quick tie-down anchor we're talking about yep. here. Okay. And what did that do? That cost me maybe three bucks. You had to buy the the paracord and then I think I had the washer. But what this did is it started off my process. I know what I wanted to do. So my first thing was really getting down on paper. What did I want this invention to accomplish? And then my next goal was to make this prototype to see if that would work. So what this allowed me to do is test my idea. And this actually worked very well. It just didn't do what I wanted. And that was, so I reached under the trailer. I put this paracord up between the boards. Now that gives me a nice tie-down point. It was great. But what happened is, if I don't hold this up underneath, it does that before I can hook into it. And that is for our listeners oh, yeah. who aren't watching. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the 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 actual device just fell right back through between the gaps and fell to the ground. So then I'd have to pick it back up, try to hold it again. And what that taught me is my next step is to figure out a way that I can do this from the top of the trailer deck or dock mm-hmm. and stick it between the gaps, but not have it drop between those gaps, obviously, because then you lose it. Mm-hmm. And okay. so, so my very first step was making the prototype you guys go use cardboard. You might hear that a lot on these type of things. Cardboard is a fantastic way. And even if it's not an actual usable prototype, you can get your size down, you can get your shape down, you can get you know feedback from other people, and then you can start to visualize, oh no, this is absolutely not what I thought it was going to do, or yes, it's exactly what I thought it would do. Sure. Yeah. So that's a great example of just getting the ball rolling. Yep. So for broad strokes purposes, Marcus got the ball rolling with some paracord and a fender washer and it was literally enough to ignite his juices and get him going did you take that paracord and fender washer to uh home depot what'd you do with that (laughs) what'd they say (laughs) when i pitched it for my no um what i did is i tested that for strength i tested it for like the size gap i realized the washer was a little bit small and i was going to want a bigger washer because in in my world when it comes to decks and docks you might have a quarter inch gap between your boards. You might have half an inch gap. And as that slid over a little bit, then I realized my washer was going to pop up between the the things. So I did nothing with this except use it to get to my next one, which is when I started to get a little more snazzy. Oh, wow. So we have a 
what, torture the, device. A, a torture device. It looks like instead of paracord, he's using one eighth braided cable here, yep. stainless steel, and he crimped it into a fancy little end as a butt stop. And he's using a washer, which he welded some teeth onto. Wow. So you, um, yeah, you're you're going mid went media, medieval. <laughs> I did went mid 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 medieval. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, man, that thing is gnarly. But hey, it it it's getting. I can see this is getting a lot closer to the end product. And I'll tell you what the thought process was. The first one you can see, uh, for those of you who can see, it's the exact same thing, more or less. But one is made out of the paracord. The other one's made out of the metal. The newer version has teeth. Why does it have teeth? Because what I realized is. When I had something pulling down the run that was like parallel with it, it would slide. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to slide. So I said, oh, I need some teeth. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I got some nails, cut the nails, and I welded them into the base. And that was my second prototype. So mm-hmm. now this thing is super strong. It does exactly what I want. And in this case, I could still lose it down the uh, between the boards. But if I turned it sideways... The fact that this cable is rigid would keep it kind of forced in between. What I couldn't do with this one is drop it down from the top. So I still had to go underneath the trailer. Mm. I had to stick it up in there. I had to twist it. Then I had to go back on top of the trailer to use it. So you never really have the answer the first time, do you? Don't. You don't. I, I think, I mean, I can only think 0.01% of people who do prototyping ever have it down right then and there. I think you yeah. have to test it. Yeah, I won't bore you guys with the story of the post-it note, but once again, <laughs> the guy worked at 3M yeah. in the glue department, yeah. and it took him seven years to get traction on that product. He he found the adhesive kind of quick. That ignited it, but still, mm-hmm. the, you know, I don't want to tell you it's going to take you seven years because I don't think it should. I think it should take you less than three years, uh, and I think it should be fun along the way. The point I'm getting at is it's not going to be your first idea, don't it? Don't get discouraged if your first idea kind of sucks. And to just broad strokes, looking at all your prototypes, mm-hmm. imagine the cost you would have accrued one, two, three, four, five. Five, five of maybe 12. Five of maybe 12. Mm-hmm. And no offense, those all look like dog crap to me today. <laughs> they are. And, and why would you pay for dog crap? You know, these are yeah. these are just concept designs yeah. so don't pay out the nose for them no and you're not gonna you're not gonna have a perfect design and this designer this uh 3d printing facility what have you they don't really care if it's gonna work or not. Right. that's not their responsibility yeah and that that's a, a actually a, another really good point when it comes to paying people to do things one of the reasons why a i have this many prototypes and they look how they do is because I was going to hire a welder. I didn't know how to weld, but I knew I wanted these nails put into this metal thing. And I waited. And this guy was just like, yeah, I'll get to it this week. And there's two weeks. And I'm chomping at the bit. This is my project. This is my, like, I want this to happen. I went out and bought a welder. And for the actually, I don't want to say it it was quite a bit more than the guy was going to charge me to weld, but that's not the point. Because then I taught myself how to weld off YouTube. I welded. And as you can see, it's, it's really not pretty at all. It's horrible. But it got the job done, and this allowed me to test my prototype. So for those people out there who think, I don't have the skills to to prototype, I I can't do these things, you absolutely can. And one of my favorite things to do is take, let's say you're, you're doing something with toothbrush, right? Go buy a toothbrush, chop it up, and make your prototype out of somebody else's finished product. You're not going to be selling that. You're not 
you know, using it. You're not crossing any lines you shouldn't. You're purely just checking to see if your idea is valid and to see if it's usable. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, there's no, once you buy something, it's yours. Do with it yeah. what you will. And that was one thing I was confused about in the beginning. I, I knew it might be tricky to turn around and sell it at the swap meet sure. when, when it's got a, a some type of recognizable tag on it. But uh, yeah, go butcher existing stuff. Spend a few hundred bucks. It's you're, you, Very few people are going to put themselves into bankruptcy spending a few hundred bucks yeah. uh, on the weekend to to throw stuff together and see how it works. Didn't you have a story? Wasn't there the guy who like invented the mouse made it super cheap? Yeah, yeah. The uh, guy who invented the computer mouse, mm-hmm. uh, he made it out of wood. Mm-hmm. And I can assume without knowing the guy, that's because it was a lot easier to work with than plastic. Yeah. And he could whittle it and do what, what he wanted to. And he actually, with that prototype, he built some sort of ball rolly mechanism, which we all remember from the 90s, which ended up being used for decades yeah. before we went to lasers now. But a computer part made of wood, who would have thought? Yeah. His first instinct wasn't, oh, I should go to an injection molder. and But first I need to have detailed 1960s drawings made from some guy with a cigarette in his mouth and mm-hmm. a drafting table. No, he said, I got some time. I'm done mowing the lawn. I'm going to whittle something out of wood. Yeah. And it uh, eventually came to fruition. Yeah, that's an awesome prototype. It is. I, I don't want. I don't want everybody to think that they can just make anything out of. You know, we're talking about wood. We're talking about uh, cardboard and things like that. Of course, there are going to be more intricate uh, designs, and and there's going to be electrical inventions. There's going to be. But I think I truly think the majority of everything most people who are listening are going to think about or invent. You know, oh, it's something for the kitchen. It's a new tool. It's a new this can be made very simply or chopped up from another one. And the value in that also is not having to wait. If you pay somebody who's designing it, every time you want to change your design, you have to reach out to them. You have to wait on their timeline. They're going to do it. They're going to get back to you. If you can just go in your garage, whoop up a second version in 30 minutes, man, you can just keep that ball rolling and you don't lose that that motivation. Yeah, definitely. Can I, I forgot. Can I tell you a funny story? Yeah. A funny failed prototype story? Yeah. This is embarrassing, dude. So when I first started Torque Strap, I was so hot and heavy, I had developed the idea of the flexible portion, and it was, in my mind, a home run. And I had so much momentum, and I was so full of myself, I said, you know another thing? When I'm reaching into the bed of the truck, I want to be able to pull either direction. In other words, you know, you pull a pull strap one Mm -hmm. way, so sometimes you have to walk your butt around the truck and do it, and it's no fun. So I'm like, what if I made a buckle that would change the direction Okay, so I, I dreamt up this <laughs> buckle that would change the, the direction. Yeah. So I started looking for machine shops near me that might be able to see and see this buckle, which mm-hmm. was my best guess of how it might have been made. And I hit up umpteen, and I'm in the LA area, I hit up umpteen CNC shops. One or two of them responded to me. So I send them my drawings. I If I can dig them up, I'll throw them up on the YouTube mm-hmm. over the screen here. Just janky drawings, man. I mean, I'm talking ballpoint pen, no ruler, squiggly lines. But for some reason, it must have been a new engineer at this place. He took my drawings very seriously. And he Mm. said, we'd love to have you come in for a meeting. He didn't ask me quantities, (laughs) anything like this. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'm still working my day job on the telephone poles. And so I come in after work, really nice place. I'm kind of a little bit dirty. 
And he's like, yeah, right this way. And it's this young guy, this engineer, I'm assuming. Yeah, right this way. And he leads me into this dimly lit uh, conference room with like a 65-inch screen. There's waters on the table. I'm like, oh, God, what did I get myself <laughs> into? Yeah, This is going to be so embarrassing. And sure enough, the owner rolls in. He doesn't know why he's here. He just knows he's here. He sits down. Hey, how you doing? So what do we got? And up on the projector comes my crappy little drawing, my doodly scoodly. Yeah. And I just got my hands in my head and they're like, okay, so it's a buckle. So I'm talking them through this buckle. And finally the question comes, so what's your budget for this project? And I'm like, oh, you know, two, three hundred dollars. <laughs> the air dropped out of the room, man. You could have heard a pin drop. These guys were like, two hundred dollars <laughs> and the, the the funny thing about it is i thought that some firm was going to take me on and help me design my buckle mm-hmm. in, a, in a serious professional capacity right. and they were going to be making this buckle for me for 75 cents a buckle in the usa oh man that was when i was really ignorant to all this stuff mm-hmm. but gosh what an embarrassing story i basically walked out with my tail between my legs never heard from them again and I really hope I don't have to drive down that street anymore because <laughs> that was really, really bad. So, yeah. But that that brings me to another good point is, is being able to do it yourself and, and, and the expectations. When you get to the point where you're pretty happy with, you've tested a bunch of versions, you're pretty happy and you want to take it to that next level. Like let's say you want to have it 3D printed, whether it's plastic or whether you want to have it 3D printed, you can have things 3D printed in metal now, which is awesome. There are so many resources out there. You do need a good CAD drawing. Usually when somebody's going to 3D print something, they're going to need a CAD version. If if you're not capable of that, then you obviously, that's when you're going to start needing to find somebody to do that. But when you do, there's online resources. Like I used a place called Shapeways. There are a tons of versions. I think it's shapeways.com. What you do is you upload your drawing. Instantly, it gives you a quote. Instantly, it said, this part that we're printing for you will cost $5. How did you draw that though? How were they? I, I had a buddy, um, somebody who knew how to use CAD. Okay, so it was legitimately drafted. You, you do need a legitimate draft. And you when said you that. that. I'm sorry. Okay. No, that's okay. But so I had my buddy draw it for me. It was, it was cheap. I bought him dinner or something. You know, you may, you may spend a little bit of money on that, a couple hundred bucks. But then instantly it says, this piece is going to cost you $15 and you get to pick. I want it in blue plastic. I want it in whatever metal. I want this. It gives you all the options. It's super user-friendly. Anybody can do it. At the end of it, it shows you what your part is going to be in what, you know, what source and what way. And then they print it to you and they send it to you. So then you have an actual really good usable prototype to start testing and then maybe having your friends test or depending on if you, you know, for me, it's people with trailers, docks, and decks. A friend's not going to do me any good if they don't have those three. So I kind of found some people. I reached out to my Facebook friends, uh, one of them in Georgia, and I said, hey, do you mind testing this on your trailer? He's like, yeah, send me some. So I sent him uh, four, and he's for for half a year, tested the heck out of them. So that That's was awesome. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one example I have, I was developing a type of plier, and that one I knew was going to be tough because pliers are a very heavy hardened metal. Mm-hmm. And so what I did, I I actually drew the drawings to the best of my ability on a keynote. Mm-hmm. You yeah. hear me say that a lot. Yeah. Uh keynote on on um apples like 
uh, PowerPoint, essentially. But if you can draw straight and wiggly lines, you can create anything. Yeah. And so I just took my time for a couple of days and I drew up a really detailed uh, drawing of, of my pliers with special handles. And with as many dimensions and as much information I, as I could pack on there, I found a guy on fiber, fiber, excuse me. And for $1,200, he turned it into a tangible 3D drawing, which okay. can be translated by pretty much any manufacturer with AutoCAD, Fusion 360, whatever yeah. software they use. It's in a file format. You know, we're not very savvy. We don't know the exact details, but there's, it's in a file format that can be translated mm-hmm. by professionals. For $1,200, $1,250, bucks, he built me this 3D design. And it's it's kind of expensive. It's uh, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. But it's worth so much because now rather than me whittling something out of wood and, oh, this doesn't work, whittling another one out of wood and killing myself over it, I can just go back to dude and say, hey, can you just expand the nose on this? Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll shoot you another 75 bucks for the labor. And, you know, we keep in good contact and that's a great way to do it. And when I do, this one is kind of pending in my little notebook of things to mm-hmm. do. When I do want to go through with it, I pull up that 3D drawing and I can shoot it to a manufacturer and uh, they they can say yay or nay and uh, let me know what kind of issues, constraints, whatever problems I have. And then I go back to drawing. And so I'll kind of play middleman on mm-hmm. that. And it's just a, for me, it's a, it was like a time passer. It's good, nothing urgent that I'm working on, but it's a viable way to get a prototype done. Well, and that's that that's a good point too, is like you, that story brings you all the way to the point that you might take something to a manufacturer. And so in our story for today, you know, you've, you've got your drawings, you've made your prototypes, you've made a better prototype, you've tested that and you're like, man, this is it. I, I feel really good about this. This is my one. Then you're going to want to make that kind of final prototype that a manufacturer will, will go ahead and try to replicate. And that's when you'll learn, we'll, we'll go into manufacturing on another episode, but it's when you'll learn that if the manufacturer is capable of doing that, because maybe they can do two of the parts of one thing, but they can't do all of it, that. And then they're going to have to bring in stuff from another. And there's so much more to the manufacturing process, but you want yourself a very good final prototype for that manufacturer to be able to easily replicate and then send you a sample of. So, you know, yes, this is what I want. I'm ready to go. So let's say it's something a little bit more confusing, like, yeah. uh, or a little bit more complex. You and I yeah. talk about hardware and tools a lot because that's our space. Sure. But, but maybe it's like a special vacuum, uh, just a little handheld vacuum that yeah. you're really passionate about. So it's got a plastic <laughs> housing. It's got an internal motor. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you talk about having a really good prototype. How do you build a really good prototype of a vacuum? What do you... I, you know, I, again, that brings me back to things that already exist. Um, you, you can pull the parts out of any other vacuum that, you know, there, there are no end of types of vacuum. So let's say in your example, it's one of those dustbuster style ones. Sure. You know, if, if you're savvy enough to, I think, create this vacuum piece or do that, then you can probably pull apart the components and rehouse them in a different way. I, I don't know what your, your mindset is around the idea you have, but in that case, oh, that's it. Is, yeah. is a huge, huge fan of taking someone else's finished project, uh, product, chopping it up, making it into what you want to test your theory. You're not going to sell it. You're not going to infringe on any of their stuff. You're not going to you know, post it online. All you're doing is seeing if it's a valid idea. And then, yes, you, you know, again, I, I don't want to say you, you're never going to have to spend money to do this. You will. If you're going to do something involved like that, you're going to have to find probably an engineer. You're going to have to find people who can mold you the proper casing. But for prototyping, 
just spend the bare bones you can, take what somebody else has done, chop it up, and make it into something to at least test your idea. I disagree. Okay, tell me. I only disagree on one point. You said you're probably going to need an engineer. Yes, that's probably the right way to do it. But (laughs) I think you can even get away without that. Let's go. Let's go back to the vacuum. All right, so... Let's say that the the goal is a really small handheld dirt devil, like okay. smaller than you've seen before, like the size of an electric shaver. Okay. Uh, I I think what you need to do is essentially first find the guts that are small enough. So find whatever devices out there. I'm thinking like an air pump for a inflatable bed. Okay. Something with really small pump guts like that, and then yeah, get those compacted in as small as you can in their in their operating form, and now come up with a housing. I would find a designer on Fiverr. I would draw him on Keynote or on Sketch, say I want to build a housing that has roughly these dimensions and looks sleek. Send it to him. So now he can now you can send his work to a 3D printer. You can print out a, a, a clamshell housing, um, it, close it over the guts, which work, and figure out how to plumb them internally into the mouth and the exhaust. <laughs> I mean, I, I think th- I think that that is your and my mindset because we've done enough tinkering and we know enough about oh, really? things. I think if you think about the majority of people out there who have an idea, uh, if it's not a basic toolish idea, if it's going to involve programming a, a board to, you know, you press this and it does this. I mean, even having something just turn on, it's going to take somebody else yeah. with knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to bring in helpers for sure. For um, sure. To throw a blanket statement over it like, oh, we're just going to grab an engineer to figure this out. I mean, it's going to be a, a kind of a daisy chain of engineers. Everybody has different. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and some manufacturers, we'll talk about BS in a later episode, but if you know how to BS, some manufacturers will do a lot of this legwork for you. Yeah. If you can say things like, oh, we're, we're looking at minimum quantity of this and the only thing is we need someone to program this. Do you have a similar product that has a similarly programmed board that you could uh, easily convert for this quantity to do this? That just chops out a lot of the elect- uh, electrical engineering out sure. of it right there. Well, and there are a lot of a lot of manufacturers, and I think people know this, that there are, you, you know, you'll buy a brand or you'll buy something online and there'll be 10 different names on it, but it's the same product, right? So th- that that manufacturer is manufacturing for multiple people. That's actually a really good resource when it comes time for you to look for manufacturing. We won't get too much into it. But, you know, whatever your product is, find the people who manufacture the product that you think you want to be like. And those people are a good start to, to already start looking for that. And in your case, like you said, they can help you with your prototyping. They can help you get it to that next level. You're like, I have this. I'm so close this is what I wanted to do. And they might just be like, oh yeah, you just need this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, that that happened with me. Uh, the, the manufacturer that I was working with, I had already placed an order. So they knew that I was committed to them and that I wasn't wasting their time. And uh, they helped me brainstorm just one last little piece of something that I, I couldn't figure out myself. So that's another good resource. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're gonna, it's gonna be kind of a hodgepodge, but the main thing is you as the inventor have to be persistent. And mm-hmm. every night you have to think of a new angle. Mm-hmm. Say, I didn't get anywhere with this, but tomorrow I'm gonna try that. Uh, because it's, it, yeah, it's gonna be a culmination of a lot of different things that you try before you find something that really starts to gain traction and where people start to say, yes, we can work with that. You know, earlier you were asking us to move the moon 
Now you're just asking us to move our car across the street. Sure. So you have to you have to find what motivates these manufacturers, these uh, uh, artists, mm-hmm. designers, engineers, whatever it is, and work with them in a tangible way. And with my earlier example, I thought I could just call up a machine shop here in L.A. and they'd make my buckle for this and that, but I wasn't meeting them halfway. I didn't have the budget. I didn't have the minimum order quantities. I didn't know the lingo. I didn't have the drawings. So I was asking way too much, and that was when I stopped and took a look at what I was doing, like, whoa, Grant, okay, now you understand how small you are. Now you understand how this big world works. Now be more realistic with your daily goals. Mm-hmm. No, it's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, when it when it comes to just having that idea st- starting, you don't have to have the how right away. You just have to have the motivation to start the process. And the hows will start coming. And the hows will start coming clearer as you start getting into it and you realize, okay, this works, this doesn't work. This is, you know, out of my out of my depth, and I need to find that next step. But just perseverance, <laughs> and, and yeah, totally. And yeah. at the end of the day, let's just describe the infinite value of a great prototype. Yeah, it is. It is so 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 valuable to have a great prototype because it's just going to make every step. It's like building a foundation on a house. If it's wonky in the beginning, it's going to be wonky all the way to mm-hmm. the top. And the same goes with prototyping. Yeah. So. It's worth it to to take the time. How many, I mean, how many people have you told what your product is versus when they actually get to see it? What's the difference? Like somebody- Night and day. 100%. Yeah, night and day. When yeah. you're telling somebody about a product, you're just another guy. I used this example in past episode, but it's like saying, oh, I, I thought of the Nintendo 7 or I thought of the PlayStation 6. And then mm-hmm. they, they said they're coming out with it in May. And I'm like, oh, man. It, but seriously, that's the difference because unless you can hold something in your hand, um, you're you're kind of a joker in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's a ton more to talk about as far as prototyping goes. I think we pretty much nailed the idea behind it. You had your idea, you put it down on paper, you kind of gathered your thoughts about what you exactly wanted to do. Then you made a rudimentary version of that, whether it's out of cardboard or whether you take another person's product and you chop it up and you make what you want. That gives you the time to test it to get other input to see if you like the size the shape the usability all those things and slowly you start uh, refining that down better and better better and then you start to spend a little more money on maybe CAD drawings get a nice 3D printed or a much better prototype made that goes into testing and then you're kind of ready to take it to the next level awesome yeah Yeah. definitely Hey, exciting stuff. We're yep. getting people closer and closer to bringing their invention into fruition, aren't we? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up today's episode. I want to thank everybody once again for joining us uh, on the podcast, whether you're on YouTube or Apple or Spotify, wherever you're at, follow us, like us, subscribe to us, because I promise you very soon it's going to start to click. And so, you know, we took the punches so you guys don't have to. So tune in next time and we'll get into the next step. We'll see you on the next one.